0: I don't know. No, no. I don't think there's a lot of couch surfing, just because it's so expensive to live in New York City that I don't. I can't imagine anyone is kind enough to pay someone else's rent. Uh, you know. Yeah, no, but I mean, like people who don't know how to Right, right, right. So there, there there's a, there's a, a, there's a small percentage of those people. It's not no, not at all. Most people, because uh, be, being comedy, you have to be. You have to be out every night. You have to spend money. You have to work. You have to be online. You have to, you know. So you need to maintain. us, so you have to have a cell phone. Someone's got to pay for that. So you have to have some kind of income. Most uh, do yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, that. In New York City, all the jobs I've had, I've been very clear. Like my priority is comedy, but I. at what I do and I have 20 years of experience doing it so they're like great so they have a high quality a very qualified person doing a lower level a lower, right right so they get a, a value for, for hiring me and then I get you know I worked it out yeah no I am
1: sort of got I flunked out of advertising. Yeah. Hey, there you go. It's finally, we get our chance. It's Dr. Lisa and it's time for Dr. Lisa gives a shit. I gave a shit that that song was playing in my, in my space. Anyway, um, how are you guys doing? Um, I'm, I was thinking of my walk over here. I live like 15 minutes away, and I walk over here, and I was thinking to myself, you know, I'm really in a good mood. It's really crappy out, and I'm really in a good mood, and I surprised myself. So um, this will definitely be a great show today because um, I am actually in a good mood for God knows why. Uh, maybe it's because I have the good vibrations of uh, somebody I just met um, this weekend, a wonderful comedian, Chris Duchette. Did I say your name right?
0: No. <laughs> Duchette. Doucette. Yeah, see? everyone I wants to throw met... an H in there. Yeah.
1: No, I just met him. <laughs>
0: Hi, Chris. Hi, Dr. Lisa Levy. Levy Levy. <laughs> <laughs> See we just met. Yeah. But
1: but I, I got I got you pretty quickly, I think. You I did, yeah. appreciate you. I think you Thank seem you. like a super professional type guy, and I Aww. as you people know I respect that. But before we get to um speaking with the professional and charming and well dressed and in very good shape, you're in very good shape. Do you exercise yeah, a lot? super hot. He is I super do. hot, <laughs> guys. He's gay, so I feel comfortable telling him how sexy he is. Because um, there's no threat there, I'm not worried that like he's.
0: Oh, I'm mis- still a predator. Or... I'm still a predator. Oh, Okay.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, so anyway, I got to read this to you, but I I think it's really cool, and it's not just that I have to read it to you. I am sharing this. So uh, I want to announce the Radio Free Brooklyn's. All borough, all boroughs, that is, (laughs) Grace. Holiday Scavenger Hunt, which launches on Saturday, November 28th. That's the Saturday of Thanksgiving weekend for you dead brains out there. (laughs) And between November 28th and December 12th, if you listen to Radio Free Brooklyn for clues on where to find scavenger and hunt items at local businesses, Throughout Brooklyn, the person who collects the most items will win the grand prize of a brand new Massey, Massey – I don't know anything about bikes. M-A-S-S-I, single speed bicycle from the Velo Bike sh- Brooklyn Bike Shop, which is a great bike shop. So it's got to be a fucking awesome bike. I know. Yeah. Do you know anything about bikes? No, but it's, you know, it's, it's a French, so it's going to awesome. be amazing. It's probably an awesome yeah. bike. Yeah. Uh, so there's also going to be two runner-up prizes and swag awarded daily. But you have to play to win. <laughs> prizes will be awarded during the Radio Free Brooklyn's holiday party at Beast of Bourbon, 710 Myrtle Avenue, Brooklyn, New York, on Saturday, December 12, 2015, from 2 to 6. So stay tuned to Radio Free Brooklyn for more details in the days and weeks to come. And I'm going to invite you personally, Chris, and of all of our listeners today nice to this holiday party that i'm just finding out about now
0: that's super exciting
1: i know i have something to do over the
0: holidays
1: <laughs> so um anyway so we're going to talk i'm i'm really like i said i'm excited to have chris here we're going to talk Duset. <laughs> we're going to talk to him about uh his life and he Impressed me as such a sensible type comedian. I wanted. I thought maybe I would get a chance to talk about um, my uh, my uh, feelings about comedy too, and he could help me because he seems he seems sensible enough to help. He seems way more sensible than me, probably. I mean, I'm much more stable. Are you from a stable family?
0: <laughs> I am. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: See, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, so uh, hopefully. So I met uh, Chris at uh, QED where he's performing tonight. What time?
0: Uh, tonight I think it's at tonight at eight o'clock at QED. Yeah. And what's the name of the show? Then the name of the show is called Talk Therapy
1: oh, yes. by
0: Laurie Baird, who's yes. fantastic. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, I'm aware of that show. Yeah. It's a great show. It's an Astoria.
0: And it's- they do one they do like one stand up comic to start the show and then they do a couple of uh storytellers. So it's more of a it's kind of a mixed stand up and storytelling show. It's uh-huh. super fun.
1: And are you gonna be the comic then?
0: I'm gonna be the stand up comic and for the So yeah. you'll be
1: on first. Yeah. So you could. so ostensibly you you could go to the show, enjoy Chris's stand-up, and then start drinking, like, heavily right after and still enjoy a good stand-up night. And the drinks yep. there are really cheap.
0: Yeah, it's, yeah, it's Such super a, cheap. It's
1: the most awesome place. Yeah, it's so fun. QED, which is why I was there because um, – actually, I was there because um, I love Cambry and Christian so much. Yeah, they're great. And uh, Cambry was, like, the first person I met who had any – who I still have like this, she's on a pedestal for me. Ah. And I've learned so much about comedy and comedians and all all sorts of stuff and met so many people through her. And when they were having, and I was actually there before uh, when they were starting, you know, when they were revving the place up revving yeah. up the QED place redoing you know Cambry was did a psychotherapy session which you can with me that you can still listen to for bam b you know bam yeah and um if you go on their website and you search for um Dr. – what was the name of the show? The show – Jesus, I can't even – this is, like, so bad. I have to switch into this other mode. What was the show? It was What Makes You So Special. It was a whole installation thing. But if you want to hear Cambry talk about her life, which is so freaking fascinating. Yeah, she's uh, interesting and amazing. Anyway, so I was uh, interested in meeting the people there because Cambry knows everyone. And uh, I came away with – meeting chris and getting (laughs) hooking him to get on my radio show today so i was telling chris that i um was very we had a lovely conversation and what happened was i did this show i might have mentioned to you before uh a new show called um focus group live and i did that Tuesday, Tuesday tuesday night and i was looking i met somebody who i thought was great uh Anthony DeVito and I said to him oh you're Anthony DeVito and I'm I said I'm looking for a gay comedian to be on my panel and he he pointed me right to Chris so I wound up going over and introducing myself to Chris and we had just such a lovely chat um, and we talked about comedy and I remember you said just so many sensible things and that you had a very grounded um sense about your career like not you weren't like you were happy you felt like comfortable it felt like you were comfortable where uh-huh. you were in your career uh-huh. um and that you weren't either you know desperate or like oh gotta move ahead like a mm-hmm. lot of comedians or like like a lot of us creative people <laughs> are um and you seemed really comfortable but not overly like this is what I've done this and this and this. So I, <laughs> I was taken by how unusually balanced you were about talking about comedy. We talked for a little bit and talked about other issues about comedy and stuff like that. So uh you impressed me. Oh, thank you. Um and as I was saying to you, um, what also is really interesting about you to me, just on first impression, is that I asked to be introduced to a gay comedian, and you were not what I think of as a gay comedian,
0: Chris. Interesting, yeah. What do you think of when you think of a gay comedian?
1: I think of...
0: Like, what's the first image that comes to mind?
1: Well, I think, you know, I think there's a range, but your vibe is so comedian. (laughs)
0: <laughs> dysfunctional and, it, and complicated no no yeah. no
1: you seem like like what i think of as like a comedian well, maybe like a club type comedian yeah yeah and i think of gay comedians or people who identify that way as more maybe alternative
0: oh yeah do you
1: think of yourself as all? i don't know
0: um no i'm not alternative yeah. Uh, and the alt comedy scene where you've got a, you' know, you're a hipster with a mustache and you know flannel and you know you're like ironic that kind of alt, but according to like mainstream comedy, I'm kind of alt in the sense that i'm just I'm not mainstream, so yeah I'm just yeah, a so comedian. it's really funny yeah.
1: because I said to Anthony, you know, and you know I'm looking for a gay comedian and pointed me medi- to me medi- to you, and know, I'm like he doesn't seem like he's gay. Yeah. Or like a gay comedian. Yeah. But it was really, it was interesting. And so, um, and I'm glad I met you and that you're on the show. So, um, but I also um, was... I also find you incredibly stable and we you said that you're from a really stable family uh-huh so I'm wondering, this is okay we got to talk about you and you tell me but this is my first impression okay. my first impression is Hello. that you're a really stable pretty together guy you have a good job um, you've worked in nonprofits for years uh-huh. you've worked it out so well you have like a job where that you get a you know decent paycheck there's job security but they're also very um, supportive of you doing comedy Uh and they let you do what you need to do in order to you know to forward your comedy to career yep so i find it really unusual but i think that the thing so most creative people have some sort of weird thing or weird quirk and i wonder if it's maybe just because you're gay huh that makes you different but it's not that like if you had a dysfunctional family and you were gay, yeah. you might not be able to get it together mm. enough to be a comedian.
0: Well, you know, it's funny because, you know, you're 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 basing, you know, you're you have an impression of that the is- outside, right? And if my if any of my friends are listening to this right now, they're completely laughing because they know what a mess I am, right? And uh and uh, and how much anxiety I have, and I do have that. Like you know, you're making me sound like I'm um, this amazing person, but I uh, and I am a little yeah, but bit. Let's take it down. A notch. But let's take it down. No, I'm, I'm just,
1: I'm just, I'm just talking yeah. very superficially, right?
0: And I think, like, I, yeah, I have a, my, my most recent text to my partner Michael was me was like three long text messages where I was panicking about the album that I have coming out, and and how I still don't have a title for it, and I who am I, and if I can't. I market myself. About it, how am I, how do I expect the comedy industry to market me? And, you know, and so I do have career anxiety. And my family, you know, my parents just celebrated their 50 year anniversary. See, they've I'm been, so
1: jealous that you have stability. Well,
0: but it's also, but I also have, you know, a lot of dysfunction in my family at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, uh, and so there, you know, it, just because they've been married 50, 50 years yeah. doesn't mean now that there's not a lot of drama and pain and hard. and uh, you know the comedy thing they've never seen me perform they don't understand the comedy thing a whole lot and they're just kind of like waiting for this hobby to end and you know move on or whatever um and, uh, and 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 uh, and the funny thing about the gay comedy like identity thing is so funny because, uh, you, you know, sometimes being calling yourself a gay comedian is makes sense because if you're gay and you're a comedian, that makes you a gay comedian, right? <laughs> but you but at the same time, it's also there's an element of pejorativeness about being oh he's a gay comedian and it's it's kind of a it's a limiting it's a it's a limiting box sure. you know um and and i uh, and so i'll tell you this one little anecdote about how I identify myself and uh, this is uh, uh, two years ago I was performing at a college in uh, Alfred University in upstate New York and uh, I did a show Friday night, Saturday morning I woke up at 4am with appendicitis and I had uh, and I had to I was rushed to the hospital and you know, six hours later I I had my appendix taken out and as, as I was waking up from the stupor of surgery, this nurse came over to me to make sure that I was breathing and alive or whatever and she's like Do you know who you are? And I said, yes, I'm a comedian. (laughs) I didn't say I was a gay comedian. I didn't say I was white. I didn't say I was a guy. I didn't say I was an American. Like that's – so like for me that is – and of course I I was more like I'm a comedian. Like I probably said it slurred that way after Uh anesthesia. But um, that's kind of how – At root, that's how I identify, and that is as who I am, and that that told me a lot about myself.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting, and that makes perfect sense, but I also have this feeling that um, this sense – this intuition. What the fuck? Do I, know? <laughs> I don't know anything. I'm just throwing. You know, what she's a sorceress. <laughs> no, I'm fortune throwing, teller. I don't know. These are my impressions yeah. of you for yeah. whatever they're worth. Yeah. Um, but I also have the sense that you have incorporated your being gay in a very healthy way into your into your being. That it's yeah. not. Um, that you know it's not it's not that complex for you
0: Mm. and i'm
1: wondering if maybe your parents were you know whether it just you know didn't if you you didn't have so many obstacles dealing with being gay or what
0: yeah i mean i'm just i'm pretty typical in the sense that i knew i was gay from the get-go um you know i had to keep it locked away secret because it's the great shame of america you know when i grew up in the 80s and um and, you know, and then I came out of the closet when I was 19 in college and my parents kind of freaked out for a year. And then they got over it. And then they met my partner, Michael, and they loved him. And, and, uh, and now he's probably their favorite, in, you know, uh, son-in-law of all of my siblings, you know, married people. So, uh, so he, uh, so it's one of those things where, you know, it, I had a very typical kind of like coming out and, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, and, And, you know, for a lot of comedians, it's funny when you're a gay comedian, and here I just call myself a gay comedian, but it's true. Uh, You know, when you first start doing comedy, you don't want to limit yourself. And so, so many comedians I've talked to who are gay had the same story I did, which is that we start doing open mics, but we don't want to be labeled gay or be limited by that box or pigeonholed Mm -hmm. or whatever. And so we just start telling jokes. Right. And we don't identify as, uh, as being gay at all. We, we care about the comedy. And then after about a year of that, you kind of shrug and you're like, I'm not being authentic. I'm not being real. The best comedy is authentic and real. So you, you just bite the bullet and you go for it. Um, Uh, Which is kind of like a metaphor for just coming out and, you know, Mm -hmm. being gay in the first Mm -hmm. place. But uh, it's you you just so it's kind of a second coming out for for uh, comedians who Mm. are gay. And then and then when you do that, you're a lot more relaxed on stage. You can go anywhere you want, you know, with an audience and and you have a, you know. As straight comedians have found, uh, gayness is ripe for comedy, and so uh, so we have a, a lot of good material to go with on that.
1: Right, yeah. and you said your work is sort of half and half.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. And
1: do you think you're? I mean, I I don't see you as having a particularly gay audience. Do you? Um, Although you maybe you can function in a gay situation better than some.
0: Um, well, you know, it's funny because the uh, gay audiences are the most for gay men comedians. Gay audiences are are actually the most difficult audiences that we face. Um, Because when you when in in the easiest audiences are straight people, right? Ah. Because if you're a gay guy, I can go any, I can go get up in front of any straight audience and be like, I'm a fish out of water. Look at me, I'm gay. Uh And you can really rely in the, and it's Ah. a lot easier because a gay guy comedian is not uh, is a bit of a unicorn, and there aren't that many of us, right? right? So when an an audience is surprised to see a gay guy get on stage, it's fun and delightful and different, and Ah. and uh, and so it's exciting and new. And, um, and, but if you're, if you try to do the same routine in front of a room full of gay men, they're like, yeah, queen, we get it. (laughs) You know, you're facing 200 of the Ah. same one of you. So you, so in, so it's very, um, uh, so straight audience is easy. Gay audience is very difficult. So it's actually very, so most gay com- gay male comedians don't like performing for other gay men because ah. it's that much more difficult. Interesting. Yeah. That makes yeah. so much sense. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. That's pretty yeah. really funny. And I can do both. So I've, uh, because I like, you know, uh, I, I, I do like performing for gay audiences, but it's harder, so it makes you work harder. Right. So it's I do have material, you know, I have, you know, it's kind of like a Venn diagram. Like there's. There's jokes that only work for straight people. There's jokes I do that only work for gay men. And then there's that overlap in the middle that work for both. I guess probably
1: most comedians must have that same um, issue, but maybe in different things. Like, uh, for example, like, I mean, not talking about comedy, but like I do like performing and I do visual arts. Mm -hmm. So like there are some like... Maybe things about me or maybe the way I dress. Yeah, the way I dress when I, if I'm going to a comedy party yeah. or comedy something where yeah. is completely different than if I was going to an art thing. Yeah. So I guess we all have that sort of well, sides to – we all have to deal with that with two audiences yeah, to some Yeah, degree, and, and ultimately
0: know your audience, right? If you're, an arti- if you're an artist, know your audience, and so that's part well, of it. Well,
1: yeah. I see it as a chance to really – I mean, what I think is cool is you get to express different sides of you.
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But now, so back to your back to how the fuck are you so fucking stable? So (laughs) threatening to me, even though we know you're not. so you had a partner when you were in college, nineteen. Now is that the same partner? Oh no,
0: God no! That was uh, my boyfriend in college, and I lived with him for a couple of years. And uh, and obviously, when you're nineteen, that doesn't last forever. Yeah. Uh, and then I moved to DC to work for uh, nonprofit organizations, and um, and when I was uh, and then after I was there for a few years, I met uh, my boyfriend uh, Michael and um and we've been together ever since
1: so in other words like do you think this is what i'm thinking like maybe what makes your parents comfortable is that you are i'm going to stable no i mean you have long term relationships
0: Yes, and but you know what? I think I have long term relationships because my parents had a long term relationship, and all my siblings have long term relationships, and we have a tendency to stay. So it's not like it's it's you know on, the, on the, so I think that it's so funny because I've thought about this, and and I think it's so weird because we're all all my siblings are weird, and my parents are weird, and uh, and yet we stay in these relationships, and you know for good reasons and for bad, and so. You know, you can look at people who don't have long-term relationships, and you could say, "Oh, that's a bad thing." But in fact, in some ways, that is uh, that can be a good thing. It depends on the relationship. Well, I'm so, not, I'm not, yeah, I'm, not yeah. I'm
1: not, even evaluating. Yeah. I'm not judging that. <laughs> for God's sakes. I've got other things to judge. But um, what I am judging, no, what I am, yeah. what I, what I mean is, so I think that a lot of uh, parents that have, um, particularly with gay men, yeah, uh, this they which which i'm not i think this is so bad that this happens but to be we know it happens right so they're worried that like gay men are out uh, screwing everything yeah, and are gonna yeah. like act crazy and have diseases and are doing all sorts of horrible things in right. dark basements all right. over. Right. With, with out of control. Right. With lots of drugs. Right. And they're probably having a great time. Is yeah. ever doing
0: that? Yeah, that's Man, that's they're why they're really I, having
1: fun. That's why I <laughs> got
0: into this lifestyle. It <laughs> <Yeah>. worked amazing.
1: <laughs> no, but um yeah. so I think that I think that. But it seems like in your family, uh, part of the religion, and I use that term so broadly, mm-hmm. and the religion of your family is having a long-term relationship. Yeah, yeah. And so you fit into that even though it's not with uh, a female, even though it's – so maybe that's right. part of what makes them so comfortable with you.
0: Yeah, I think that's part of it. And Mm -hmm. uh, they also, you know, they also like me and I'm a decent human being and they're decent people and I'm a decent person. And so I think that, you know, ultimately, even if I didn't have a long term relationship, they would they would still be confused by me. But like they're. They're, uh, they're just they would still like, love yeah, me, yeah, yeah, yeah. and my dad. Did. And they're not, you know, they're not ed- super educated people. My dad was a truck driver. My mom was a wow, housewife. They didn't really? go to college, um, and so, uh, wow. and so, uh, but they're they're smart and they're decent. Right. And so, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. But um, so how many siblings do you have?
0: I have three. I have two older brothers and an older sister. We're oh. all two years apart. Oh, you're the baby, and I'm the baby. Yeah, and, and so the what favorite. do they do? Are you the favorite? <laughs> totally. Oh yeah. God, because you're the funniest. <laughs> yeah.
1: So what do they do?
0: Uh, my siblings, uh, my, uh, my oldest brother is, uh, was a medic in the army for a long time. He retired and now he does civilian, you know, medic Mm -hmm. kind of work and he lives in Kansas. My other brother lives in New Hampshire and he's kind of like a former welder type guy. And, uh, my sister and her husband live in the same village in Vermont with my, uh, with my parents and, uh, uh, he's a dairy farmer and, uh, my sister, uh, stays home and she's like a, she does, um, She does uh, baking and cooking and um, and catering services for that area. Wow! So
1: you're from like you're you're a long way from home, so to speak. Yeah. Well, we all grew up
0: in Massachusetts, but my parents retired in Vermont, and my sister kind of went with them. Yeah. Uh huh.
1: So, uh, but but it sounds like it sounds like a nice um, family with probably like good values and know what's important not a lot of bullshit
0: yeah we're like we're a very typical New England stock you know it's kind of like not a lot of not a lot of flourish or fashion mm-hmm. um, but it's like get up go to work come home do your job and don't complain like that's a lot of kind of like the mm-hmm. attitude of so, my family
1: yeah. um, did you go to a small high school like you knew you were gay <clears> and was yeah. it weird to be gay yeah. in that situation or what was it uh, like for yeah. you
0: yeah I mean geez I went to high school in the 80s right so it was it was um, it was a homophobic little town uh, that I grew up in. and uh, and I didn't want to go to high school with my town people because they didn't like me. Um, I wasn't out, but they everybody knew, right? Uh, it was no big surprise. So instead of going to my town's high school, I went to an agricultural high school, oh, a half an hour great. away from my uh, from my town. And it with went with animals. With animals, it was a 365 oh, acre working farm with herds of dairy, beef, sheep, oh, and swine, horses, small animals. That's uh, why you're so balanced. And you know
1: how to deal with the. You know how to deal with all sorts of mammals. With
0: some with some pretty ugly heifers, yeah, I have in my day. Animals uh, are great. Uh, animals are good. I I was a production animal science major, so I was a a semi-professional livestock showman and uh, Massachusetts state champion. Uh, so I've shown um, like live uh, beef cattle, uh, dairy cattle, uh, sheep and swine.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. Have you ever thought about doing comedy about that?
0: You know, it's so funny. I've tried it a few times. And every time <laughs> every time I tell people that I, uh, I was a livestock showman, uh, it, it, they, it, they just get confused. Uh, it, and it doesn't it just it, people are just so kind of like trying to wrap their because so few people do like livestock work. That the people are trying to imagine it, and then it distracts from the joke, right? If I have a punchline, they uh. kind of miss it because they're distracted. So instead, um, the few, you know, I have a couple of um, story. I, I don't do storytelling often, but when I do, I I tell a story that incorporates my high school experience. Oh, and see, that, now no, no, w- I'm it,
1: picturing, yeah. I'm picturing like. Uh, the Pee Wee Herman of stock livestock shows. Yeah, that's with exactly. With you, like, champion <laughs> or, like, doing, like, you know, lion training moves with pigs or something. Yeah. Have you ever thought about that? Um, Let's do that.
0: You want to do that? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Let's film it.
0: Yeah, we <laughs> could do it. Yeah, I, Great uh, video. Well, what's funny is that I was part of a showstring team in high school, and so we uh, and we wanted to make sure we looked good. So uh, the the teacher in charge of that program uh, had us all dress up in tuxedo shirts and suspenders and ties. And and you do have a show stick that you use to show cattle with. So it's very it's kind of top hat and cane. It was mm-hmm. very we confused the 4-H kids so dramatically at these fairs that uh, uh, they actually complained. I remember that it was we were kind of we were, <laughs> we were we were we were so snazzy that they uh, the 4-H the 4- Forage people complained that we were outshining uh, uh, their dairy kids. That you looked too good. That yeah, we look too good. You were too sexy for your We were too. Sheep. Yeah. We brought the You're sexy back. you too sexy
1: for your sheep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I mean, I like to think of myself as the Justin Timberlake of livestock, but I think <laughs> Huey Herman is probably a little more accurate. That is exactly right. Yeah. You yeah. remind
1: me. You yeah. remind me a little bit now. Yes, now that yeah. Now you've been. Sadly, I have. Huey I've Herman, heard
0: that right? before. Unfortunately, I, didn't, I, I yeah.
1: didn't think of that before. Yep. Yep. But, yeah, I saw yeah. him on um, – He's great. I saw that live show. Yeah. I also got an invitation to the after – I got to go Oh, good to, for you. That was, like, my biggest – Oh, it's because um, my friend Eric, who was on the show last week, his girlfriend is really connected, and she had tickets to the party at the – what's that place in – in, in, in uh, a fancy restaurant on 40th and 6th, and she couldn't go,
0: so I went. Oh, uh, okay. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah,
1: oh, that's exciting. Isn't that exciting? Yeah, it's soic- so. No, I'm just kidding. It was nice. It was nice. I, you know. Yeah. It was. It wasn't. It wasn't that big of a deal. It Wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah, I'm over it now. Yeah,
0: have you seen the documentary about the Pee Wee Herman? Um, I think it was uh, it's on Netflix or something. And it was it was the story of one of the writers who it was a documentary about one of the writers who became how he got a job writing on the Pee Wee Herman show. And so it was kind of a, a backdoor way of doing a documentary on the Pee Wee Herman uh, oh, show. Really? And it was it's really fascinating. If you Google it, I'm sure you could find it. Oh, I can't. I don't. Really I don't remember. But he was one of the artists who created the puppets in the chair and the. Oh yeah. I yeah, it's saw, so good. I think yeah. I might
1: have seen that. Yeah. I think I'm. And then he's he's an artist and who also works yep. with type. Yep, yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw yeah, that. that good. I love him. He's like yeah. one of my favorite artists. Yeah. Yeah, whose yeah. name I'm not. I just can't remember when I have to. I'll remember yeah. it later. Uh, no, everybody knows who he is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he, yeah. Is his last name White? Oh, I don't know. No, everyone, like art people, <laughs> he's very famous in the art Oh, world. yeah, especially. Very, yeah, very, as he was an artist, of course. Yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. So. So we're. I'm picturing. I'm picturing a nice, a nice, a nice family there. A nice family yeah. there. So how did you get to go to the high school? Were your were your parents supportive about that to go to the?
0: Yeah, my school? oldest brother. Only I only knew about it because my oldest brother was um, was like a forestry major in that high school. And so when I, you know, he went in like in the early '80s when I was uh, much. Young, I was six years younger than him. So I uh, and so when I went, I mean, imagine like a you know eight year old kid mm-hmm. going to this 365 acre mm-hmm. farm and. And, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, they have an apple orchard and horses and, you know, all the livestock. And, and it was just, it was such a, it was like a magical place. And so I had always intended really to go, um, but especially when I looked, you know, when I got through junior high and yeah. uh, and didn't have any friends. I was like, I think I need to start over. Junior and... high is <laughs> for everyone. I, I, it was I hear horrible. that consistently. Yeah, yeah junior yeah. high. They were so mean. did
1: you feel comfortable there?
0: Oh, totally, yeah. yeah. I had a great time and, I you know, and I, uh, I loved it. I loved the work that I did, and, and there's some new uh, uh, staff who had started, and so. Uh, uh, they you know they took some of us re- really under their wing and and I uh, I excelled in high school and I did a, uh, nice. a yeah and 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 to 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 kind of the to too much because then I started really relaxing a little ah. too much and then the gayness kind of came out and then the you know the bullies came out of the closet as it were and uh, made my last year or two a little painful but uh,
1: uh, so you then you got h- hassled for being gay yeah totally Yep. yeah yep, yep, and did your yeah. parents know about
0: that No I I just I just it. yeah I just kind of How I did just you
1: feel like were you where you like this sucks but i'm just gonna like i suck it this. up
0: yeah just get through it because you, you know the last thing you want to do is pay you know is bring t- and again this is the 80s right so there's there were no gay. there was never yeah. no gay straight alliances existed this was yeah. still under the right. rug aids was still like high oh, in the news right, right. and so that even added an even greater element right, of of of, of 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 bias and weirdness and shame and all this kind of stuff so the last thing that you want to do is uh, draw attention to yourself and i almost came out uh, i almost made uh, you know because i you Know, i'm like to be theatrical so i had a whole plan of because uh, i was i had to do a, a present you know because i was involved in every extracurricular activity and you know yeah. i was in the, i was very involved in everything so i had planned on making a big announcement at a student assembly wow. um, and i almost got it and i was almost there and and then I was like, "What am I doing? I, this is ridiculous. I'm going to make my I'm going to make things like ten times worse for myself." Uh, and uh, and so I was like, "I'll just suck it up another year, and then I'll be off in college. It will all be over." You, so, are it's you fine.
1: glad you did th- that? You didn't put it out there. That um, You didn't wind up doing that. You know,
0: I I don't feel one way or the other. I mean, it, things worked mm-hmm. out the way Probably it didn't did. Um, but I think you know, I I here's what I think because I've I've alf- I didn't start comedy until I was 30 years old. I didn't mm-hmm. tell my first joke until I was 30. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Why did I?" Wait wait so long, right? Because after college, I was like, "What?" you know, I was working for nonprofits, but I'll be honest with you, I don't really like helping people. So I don't really care. You know, So it's always been a career that I kept waiting to feel inspired by and fulfilled by. Right. And I, it never did. So for like 10 years of my life, I was like, why can't I find something fulfilling? And then right. I discovered comedy. I was like, aha, this is it. And I was like, why did it take me so long? And I feel like part of it is that you know, when you're gay, you're kind of like you're 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 told you're kind of taught not to trust your first instinct, right? Ah, you you feel something deep inside you, and you kind of they're like, "Ooh, I know that this isn't going to be popular, so I'm going to repress it. I'm going to ah, suppress it, that's interesting. and I'm going to keep my I'm going to keep my I'm not going to say the first thing that pops out of my mouth. I'm going to edit everything that I say that's in order we- to manage my you know myself in the world. That it makes it's, so much sense, yeah. and
1: I've never heard anybody say that. Yeah. That makes so much sense. Yeah, How so you, I think— yeah, yeah, have other gay guys ever said that?
0: Um, yes. I've never—I Um, I haven't talked to any other one about that, like, yeah, no, that kind of observation. Because that, that was my own experience. I don't right. know if they felt right. that— yeah, That
1: makes a lot of sense, I don't know but if, go ahead and yeah. interrupt.
0: Oh, no, it's okay. Yeah, so that, that that's kind of my theory—for me personally, That my yeah. theory about why I've— I took so long to do comedy because I've always liked it. I've always wanted to be creative. Um, I mm-hmm. wanted to go into advertising at some point, and, uh And it just I just never allowed myself to just kind of pursue something mm. like that. And uh, I think part of that is not trusting my – not going with my, my gut. You know. And
1: so um, you started comedy. You just got up on stage and did an open mic. Or, yep, and yep. Then, and you were like – and it was you were funny right away. I'm sure. Um, or I had funny to some degree. You, uh, to, but I mean also yeah. the, the, tour, <laughs> the, the 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 touring with the animals must have. Um, that's a show. You know, you learn how to be on stage, and sh- you know that's performing. You yeah. obviously had some performing chops. Yeah, and
0: I, like I, again, like in high school, I was you know I was Mister Activities, right? So I was I was always you know speaking in front of you know student assemblies. Oh, I was doing okay. parent orientations. Oh. I was. Um, I was in the FFA and I was, you know, president of the FFA and I was president of the livestock showmanship team. And yeah, so I've done – and I would travel to, you know, I would, you know, competed in – Kansas City and went to Washington D.C. and so I did all these kind of leadership development youth oriented oh, stuff and okay, um, and you know part of the reason why I was not that popular either. Um, so I uh, goody two shoes. So I know. Oh, super. Oh, I was I was so ob- obnoxious about it. No, I wasn't even obnoxious about it because I was never I was never confident enough to be arrogant about right. like that I got good grades and, and you know and uh, uh, and that I was Mister goody Two Shoes. But because I, I was so self conscious about where, you know, about who I was and what was happening. Um, And um, that, uh, so I, so yeah, I, so I had enough like performing, speaking experience. And um, yeah, and so uh, we hired an accountant, you know, and when I was working for a nonprofit in DC, we hired an accountant who was crazy. Uh, She was, uh, 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 she smoked clove cigarettes and talked like this all the time. And she was a real weirdo and she was so funny. And she's like, Hey, Chris, I'm go I run an open mic at, uh, wisecrackers in Virginia. You have to come see it. And I was like, oh my God, I've got to come see this show. This is going to be hilarious. And so, and then she performed and she was crazy. And I was like, and, and no one did very well. And I was like, I want to do not very well either. Like, I want to, like, even though it wasn't a great night, of comedy, it made me want to do it. Because I was like, well, if they can do it, I want to try it. So all right, all right, all right. so I finally, so I went back home and I wrote, you know, five minutes, what I thought was five minutes worth of material, ended up being like three minutes. And uh, and then I got up and I just told some pretty basic jokes and um and uh, and like a lot of people, I did it again uh, a week later, and then I didn't do it for three months, and then I tried it one more time, and then I didn't do it for six months. You know, and it was kind of it's you kind of do a seesaw, you kind of get in and get out, and then eventually it's but the the seed has been planted, and eventually it takes root, and so uh, mm-hmm. like in two thousand six uh, it. Uh, I started doing it more seriously, like every every night or every weekend or So whatever.
1: that always, like, that's what makes me, that's like what is so fascinating, one of the things, but it's like, so you go, so do you perform like every night or a couple nights a week? I try
0: to, yeah, I try to get up as much as I can, yeah. And so it's yeah. usually
1: a couple nights a week or? Yeah, uh,
0: it, you know, it, dep- it ebbs and flows, right? So uh, when I first moved to New York, I was doing, you know, two mics a night, every night, seven days a week, because uh, I was hustling, hustling, hustling. And now that it's, now that it's, I've been here for eight years, and I don't feel the need to be at an open mic every night, um, but I do any show that people ask me to, and um, mm-hmm. and. Um And and if I do have a bigger show coming up, then I'll start doing more open mics just Mm -hmm. to kind of get ready for it. And Mm -hmm. you know, I have I you know I've done I've done a bunch of colleges, so I have my hour routine for colleges. I have I just uh, I just recorded my comedy album. Oh yeah, I want to ask you about that. Yeah,
1: yeah. So so you just recorded your comedy album. When is it coming out?
0: Oh, I don't know. I um I'm getting the I'm getting the masters from uh, my sound engineer uh, today actually, Mm -hmm. and uh, and so I just have to go. I did two shows and. And uh, I just have to go through the shows and kind of like and, – and help right. edit, edit, you know, and mm-hmm. put it together in and, one
1: And will show? it be available – on your website – It'll
0: be – you know, I'm, it's going to be available on iTunes and Amazon and, you know, all those places. So I'm, I'm going to go full legit on this Good. album. And uh, I just need a name for it. I, I'm struggling with a really? name. What, yeah. What are your ideas? Do oh, you my wanna... God. I have so many ideas. I don't uh, –
1: Okay. Well, we're not going gonna... to – But what I, I wanted to do is like – because a lot of times – do you realize we only – have, we're, we only have um, th- thir- like eighteen minutes, but oh I want to ask. I know it goes by so I quickly. Know, I know.
0: I feel hypnotized You're so by fascinating. you. Fascinating. <laughs>
1: no, but I want to talk more about your album because yeah. what I want—I mean, a lot of times what we talk about on the show is the creative angst and the creative process. Mm-hmm. And this seems so right because you're so concerned. You're really like you. You. You were like you're obviously you're a little neurotic. Are you? You don't. I'm not saying you seem it, but you must be neurotic about this. Is, is this
0: about the album itself, or well, just or like in-coming? I want to hear
1: about like the the uh, what you went through with the album, where you are, like the emotional. Um, I want to hear about the emotional experience of making oh, okay. the album, yeah. and. Yeah how you're feeling about it how you were feeling beforehand how are you feeling you did two shows at the Duplex. yeah yep, I did uh-huh. so how was that how are you feeling about how that was gonna go and how did you feel after it went let's start with that
0: okay it's it's interesting because I you know I had to keep reminding myself that you know when you're when you gear up for like an hour show uh, it uh, or 45 to 60 minutes depending on how it goes yeah it um you know I've I've done over 30 colleges right over the past you know five years and so and so at first it's so overwhelming and it's so much. And then you just kind of get used to it. Mm-hmm. And in getting ready for the album, I had to keep reminding myself that I I don't have to get ready in the week before. I've been, you know, getting ready uh, for the right. past 10 years. Right. right so right. it's not like I have to memorize a 45 minute or 50 minute speech. You know, right. the week before the show, I know this. This is part of my DNA. So I tried not to s- stress out about the actual show. It was really, more than anything, it's the logistics of actually producing two shows at a venue. That's the, the stressful part, right? And, and so it's really just, you know, making sure that the audience is, there's going to be enough people there and that you have a poster done and that you, um, that you, uh, I, you know, I also film videos to support, to help remind people about the show and, and it wasn't just like come to my show. It was like I did these top 10 countdowns every week for three weeks before the show about random stuff like the top 10 Halloween costumes and the top 10, you know, uh, uh, worst things about living in New York City or, you know, things like that. Um, so I just did all this work. So it was all the preparation of the yeah. logistics. It wasn't really – I never – you know, I. it wasn't the, the comedy part that I was too worried about. It was just the logistics. That's the, that And, you know, you have to – look, when, a, when a, a full-time working comic like Louis C.K. or someone else does a comedy album, they can say, OK, look, I'm going to do five shows at a comedy club over one weekend. I'm going to work out my stuff. And then the next weekend I'm going to go to another comedy club. I'll record all five shows. And then I'll pick the best one of those right, five. Right. But when you don't have the luxury of having all of these shows all the time then, and, you, and you only have two shows – to record everything, then it's either, it's either, it's make or break. So the anxiety of the make or break is so kind of, hard. is, is, was a little bit stressful. And so I, the first show, um, I felt like I'm you know everyone you know both shows went well everyone said it was great thank you very much everyone who came uh, <laughs> and uh, but I made a lot of like stumbly mistakes in right. my in my performance so I was less happy with my first performance but by the second performance a lot of those mistakes just vanished I uh, relaxed a lot more
1: right I okay.
0: had more fun it and so sense. and so that's how the two shows went and you know it's one of those things where it's just so much elite uh, build up to it that you're just happy it's over and I'm just <laughs> just happy you know, it's I, over
1: <laughs> I have to tell you on my little i mean it was really not such a major under you know but the show i did tuesday night that's yeah. exactly how i felt and yeah. i'm not nearly the yeah. performer you you know i but that's exactly how i felt in my little my little thing and and so it's just really great hearing you say that yeah. because it makes me feel like my anxieties like sort of the anxieties are sort of normal about the things that like i worry i worried about yeah, I, yeah, I'm identifying with you, and that's yeah. really oh, like, rewarding for me. Thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's funny. I, you know, you meet so you know so many new people in comedy, and uh, and and they're like, and they're going through all this anxiety the first time, and a lot of you know new comics are like, is this normal? Am I am I a narcissist? Am I completely freaking out? And um, and the answer is always no. We've always been, you know, all of us go through that self-doubt and you know, self-criticism kind, and like anxious. But the same like in the same areas. Because yeah, so I wasn't similar. so
1: worried about my performance. I was more worried yeah. about the logistics. Right. So do you worry – the thing that that I always worry about with shows um, – is getting audience is that yeah. your number one worry? Well, for that's for the, my wo- number one worry. Well,
0: for 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 those shows, absolutely. I yeah. mean, that's I mean, producing a show is is a nail biter every time because it's like throwing a party. Will anyone show up? And um, and so for the album, it was it was an anxiety. But luckily, you know, you I I started six weeks before, and you know, with before you know, within a, a two weeks, I was totally. My anxiety had been relieved oh, by the numbers of people RSVPing. It all worked out. Um, but that's it,
1: great, though. In two yeah. weeks, you worked that out. Oh, that's yeah. A big deal. It was great.
0: It was great. And, and and you know. And so I had like you know fifty-five people the first show, and that's great. and I had forty people the second show. And in that little room, it was perfect. And yeah. so I was really happy about that. And then I could focus on actually you know the actual doing the show right, and, right, right. and getting the sound engineer. And you did and all that stuff. all
1: yourself, all the promotion, yeah. and all the press press releases. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, yep, you yep. do that too. Yeah, and,
0: I just did it. Yeah, I just did it all. I used to run a show in D.C. Um, uh, called Gaylarious. and so I did a couple of years of that with a uh, uh, mm-hmm. with a friend of mine, and mm-hmm. and so I was, you know, I had we had I had gotten some experience producing, you know, a show right, every month, and right, we had a right. core group of like a hundred fans who would come out every That's month great. for the show, and, That's and, a and it was big super deal. fun. Yeah, it was you super to fun. Have
1: a group that you know will come out for the show. That's
0: huge. Yeah, and it's such a relief to have people. And even, in fact, a couple Couple of them. Hey Ben, uh, actually drove up from DC to the album oh, recording. So I was, it was really. So and Matt, great. hi. Uh, and uh, so nice. it was so nice of them to come up and so, support the album. So
1: and that feeling, like I felt like that. Like I'm like, I can't wait till the show's over. Like yeah. when Tuesday night yeah. ends, I'll be like back to normal. But did, yeah. that's probably why I'm in a good mood today. Yeah. So did you did you feel like? How did you feel when it was over?
0: I felt. I mean, again, relief. Uh, first of all, second of all, I was much happier with my performance the second time. So I felt I was very self-critical after the first show. And were you feeling were like, like oh, you I was really, I was upset. really, cr- I felt really upset, and my friends were like, "Why on earth would you feel that way?" And I was like, "You don't understand. You, I know how it should go, and I know how oh, it didn't go. I
1: know that, but
0: none of those people knew, how, you know, didn't know how it was supposed to go. Were they I performers? Did. No, um, some, I mean, of the some of them were. Some of people?
1: Not understand it. The
0: comedy people understood, understood. my no, anxiety, you, but they didn't see. But it. But the non-comedy people didn't understand the anxiety. But the yeah. people
1: that know your comedy did yeah. they did they think, were you much much more critical of yourself than they certainly.
0: Were? And that's I always am, as most right, right like right. most performers or artists are. Yeah. Um, and and the people who are familiar with my comedy knew how certain jokes are supposed to go, and they saw. And, that, and you literally stumble over a word if you mispronounce mm-hmm. something or you transpose a word or something. So they, they know how the, the details of how some jokes are supposed to go. And uh, in fact, it was funny because the, the host of the show, this very funny guy, um, Tony Deo, hosted the show for me. And uh, and he opened the show with this joke about half marathons. And like half the comics in the room turned to me and they're like, oh no, because I do a joke about half marathons. And so they knew exactly what had just happened. Ah. He kind of understood Cut you know, by accident, of course. Right. This this joke that I have, and, uh, and so it was just kind of a funny moment. I did the joke; it was fine. Yeah. I, it, it all worked out. Right, but, but, but so but it's that's like but yeah. that's how but, well some people know your material because they've seen you at mics, they've seen you at shows, they've seen you at you know at yeah. other events. So uh, uh, yeah, that's how it went. I
1: always wonder about that with comedians because um, one of the things, like as an artist, I think I'm more I concerned with this. I'm not thinking that all artists visual artists are as concerned i mean this is something that affects me but you know everybody's got their thing that they give a shit about yeah um repeating myself so how do you like handle that like doing the same material like over and over in front of the in front of this people that know you do is that just like don't like i would feel yeah like they don't think I'm very creative. I'm doing the same material. Like you never think like that, or what, how, how do you do, deal with that?
0: That it's so interesting because I, um, it, your first instinct is to say, "Oh my God, these people have heard this joke before, and they're judging me." And uh, and and the thing is, if you do the same five minutes of jokes every night month after month after month, then yeah, you're being judged and people will think that you're terrible. Uh, but the truth is that the and there are enough different audience members or other comics in the room that the, the people who are listening are different enough every time that, you know, you can repeat the same j- jokes again and again and again. And it's generally okay as long as there's some new joke, some new item, right? And, um, but it's also true that um, that great material is funny every time and i've been going you know i go to mics where i see some performers who who've said that i've listened to the same jokes for you know 5 or 6 okay. years and 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 if it's done well It 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 makes me laugh every time, and so there, you know, it's like music. You know, you can listen to the same music again and again and again. Jokes are different because there's an element of surprise, and it's never the same after the first time. But you still like hearing it. So it's you know, you have to mix up your jokes, you know, enough. But you don't. You can you can stand to repeat them. Uh, yeah, yeah, and they need to be repeated because that's yeah. Just the way it that's is. what
1: I, that's what I that's what and, I'm saying.
0: And and and, and co- fellow comedians appreciate a well written joke. So so instead of them judging you for telling, I, I'd rather listen uh, to a great joke again and again and again than a uh, crappy joke, you know, that's once. New. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's funny. Yeah. Mm.
1: Um. So uh, I got distracted because this is my best friend Margot. She's calling me now. Oh,
0: Margot!
1: Yeah, yeah, and she went on a date um, with somebody, and we ha- we're going to have to talk about it, which is going to be interesting. Uh-huh. And I don't think it went. I think that she had a good time, but yeah. she didn't like the guy. Uh-huh. So, so, but we're gonna we'll we'll put this away till later. Ah. But I don't want it to make any sounds. So um, that's so interesting. So how are you feeling about, like, so are the logistics, most of the logistics, the hard part of your album is over, right? Yeah,
0: now it's just taking the raw files and, you know, putting them together Mm -hmm. into some kind of cohesive, like, um, uh, seamless, you know, album that's amazing. So how
1: how does this phase feel?
0: Um, uh, it's uh, certainly easier than you know the stress of a big buildup uh, and so uh it'll be interesting i mean I don't think that this is you know i'm not gonna sell a million records and then be famous for this album um, but it is something that you know i've been doing comedy for 10 years and I felt like i i i was i, I liked enough good jokes uh enough to mm-hmm. um to mm-hmm. put, record them for you know posterity mm-hmm. uh and uh, and just have something in t- more for myself than anything i mean it's a vanity project more than anything but I wanted something to show for all the work that I've I've put right. in because I've sacrificed 10 years of my life for this bullshit. No, I hear and you. <laughs> I hear no, I hear.
1: Don't I. Look, I I'm right with you, honey. Yeah. I am so yeah. with you on yeah. that in in different ways, but in so many different ways. Um but um so see this is what I think we all do. We all um and this is part of the trick. I think of being a creative person is managing your expectations because yeah. Um, You may naturally have that attitude, but, like, see, like, last, you know, like, if you do, like, I'll have a big project that I'm doing, and if I have a big project for I always kept thinking this is the project that's gonna like get me attention. Or oh. now is the project that's gonna oh, get me attention. Set yourself
0: up for failure. Yeah.
1: Or like I did this big pro- this big project at BAM that didn't get any, write-ups, any mm-hmm. write ups, any professional art write ups at all. And I'm okay with it. I mean, I got a lot. The experience was amazing and mm-hmm. all that. I'm I'm past that. But at the time, I thought, oh, this is going to be great because all these great people are going to be doing it and this project's so interesting and so interesting to me and this Mm -hmm. is such a high-profile place. And nothing – and, like, I think I learned something from that. But I think there's a lot of balance. That's um, me learning how to be more balanced. Yeah. So have you ever had that problem of – expectations? Um,
0: Oh, all all the time, of course, because you, you know, you do the, you want to do that, you want to, when you pursue a creative field, you want, you want your voice heard, you want your jokes heard, and and there's a certain path that you see for yourself that you see other people going, and so you think, oh, uh, if I do this, A, A, B, and C will lead to D, and then I will make it, and then I can do (laughs) this full time, and... um, and there's a lot of false starts, and there's a lot of self delusion, and there's a lot of uh, and there's a lot of just ignorance. Like I didn't know, you know, what I sh- what what I should have done, or how I should have acted, or when I should have moved to New York, or and what you yeah, know what right. I don't, it, you know, this the experience is different for everyone, and uh, and uh-huh. so I. I mean, I kind of felt like, and having never seen a, 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 an A-list, super famous, mainstream, successful gay guy comedian before, I didn't have the expectation that I was going to be a Louis C.K. because there is no gay Louis C.K. Right. out there, right? So, uh, um, and uh, so, I just, I, my thing is that I've always wanted to find a passion. And like I said, I moved to D.C. after college. I worked for nonprofits. I didn't I wasn't mm-hmm. passionate about it. And I just wanted to felt like my life had meaning and that I could follow a passion. And so when I found comedy and when I found I was good at it and it gave me joy and it and it motivated me and inspired me and, you know, and it became the best expression of the best part of myself, mm-hmm. It 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 Makes me happy just to do it, and 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 uh, and 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 while I don't need to be a famous stand-up comedian, I don't need to be on mm. SNL, I don't need to do anything huge like that. But if I can, if I can find a place for myself doing what I'm best at, that's what will make me happy. Wow. So, see,
1: there, now there's a, see, the, didn't I tell you he was balanced? That's so <laughs> balanced. That's so balanced that, you know, like the um, ugly part of me wants to call that, call. oh, that's bullshit, but it's not, it's not. But I'm learning, yeah, this is what I'm yeah. learning. I'm learning that whatever happens, that the experience is bigger than any of it. Like having this, right. having this chat with you is a great experience for me. And, um, I love doing this show and I hope people listen to it, but I don't know. I try not to. I don't, I don't look at that shit. I don't, I can't focus on that. What I'm focused on is that I have a privilege. Of doing it. Yeah. And that's the privilege, really.
0: And I think, Amy, like even I think I read a quote from Amy Poehler or or someone who who said the reason if you want to if if you're getting into the creative field in order to be rich and famous and successful, then you're setting yourself up for failure. But if you're if you're if you get into it because you truly love doing it, then um, that. That then then you are not necessarily setting yourself up for success, but you're setting yourself up to avoid being uh, uh, demeaned, dehumanized, and demoralized by a uh, uh, you know a creative industry that is right. soul sucking at times.
1: Well, you can you yeah. do learn not to evaluate yourself and your work by other by whether it fits in or whether, exactly. there's so many yep. you yep. do learn that. Yep. Um, but you were saying before, and I wanted to, to get. I said, let's save it and finish it. So uh, um, so you were saying that there's – what the hierarchy was, that gay comedians aren't – but we were talking about, like, that lesbians are more successful than <laughs> – or more acceptable. Because I yeah. was like, well, what about Ellen? Yeah. So what, said, is, yeah. so what is the hierarchy? Just tell us because we have, like, 30
0: seconds. Oh, uh, well, right. So a lot of people are like oh, – you know, I'm, I always say that. They're like, there's not a this huge, successful, like, uh, gay guy comedians or gay comedians. They're like, what about Ellen? What about Wanda Sykes? What about Rosie O'Donnell? I'm like, yeah, lesbian, lesbian, lesbian. I mean, so it, you know, it, it just feels like there's a hierarchy where, like, straight uh-huh. white guys are at the top, straight guys of any ethnicity are second, lesbians are third, women, you know, are fourth, and gay guys are on the bottom. Uh, no pun intended, but uh, the uh, that that's what it feels like. I think lesbians are ahead are. of
1: straight women in business in general. Yeah. I really do because they are not judged by the same standards that uh, heterosexual. Yeah. Women are, which is most largely a large part on appearance. Yeah. And that's what Kathy, I saw Kathy Griffin last night uh-huh. on a Time Stop. Oh, wow. She said the same thing. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting.